Hello there, everybody. This is the Computer Crusader, and you are watching Season 1, Episode 2 of The Crusader at the Round Table. We got a couple of great stories for you guys t today. First up, we got a Russian hacking group demanding $70 million in ransomware after it attacked a Miami-based software company. Good night, what is with all these ransomwares? Goodness gracious. We also are going to talk about Audacity and their new privacy policy being a little sketchy right now. That ain't too nice. Could be even in violation of the GNU GPL license. Ooh, lord. And number three, we got a pretty cool, pretty fun story for you guys. It's about how these German scientists built a high-resolution microscope almost entirely from Lego bricks. Good lord. I need to get me one of them. Alright. Alright, guys. So, yeah, just before I begin, I would like to let you know that this podcast is available every Thursday, 12 o'clock p.m., noon, high noon, Eastern, Stand Eastern Daylight Time. We will have new episodes every week, and this podcast is available on YouTube, Spotify, coming soon to Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. I'm actually, I might consider putting it on Stitcher as well, so any of you who use Stitcher, I'll put it there as well. Alright, so let's start off with the first story, which is a Russian hacking group demanding $70 million after attacking a Miami-based software company that could affect hundreds of additional bi businesses as well. Good night. I don't understand what's up with all these ransomware attacks. I mean, in 2017, the government created the Cybersecurity uh, Infrastructure uh, Security and, uh, Administration or Agency. Let me see if I can find it. It's called CISA. Let me confirm if that's the correct one for you guys, live on air, real quick. Okay, it is actually the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which is part of the Department of Homeland Security. That was created in 2017 to combat uh, cyber threats. So, I mean, I don't understand. We have all this money poured in. Why are all these ransomware attacks still occurring? It is getting a little ridiculous. But anyways... Turns out the group was Revil, with a capital R and E in the beginning of its name, which it turns out is actually the same group responsible for last month's cyber attack on the Brazilian meat supplier JBS, which halted almost a quarter of the U.S. meat supply. Good night. And it seems like a lot of these, uh, since the group is similar, it seems like they're planning something even bigger than just a bunch of Random ransomware attacks because they're targeting key industries. But let's get back to the current attack we're focusing on. So it turns out the current attack actually targeted a Miami IT company named Kaseya. Not sure if I'm saying that 100%, but it seems like it's probably an MSP, which stands for Managed Service Provider, which is pretty much a fancy way of saying they manage the IT for several other smaller companies that don't want to have their own IT department. 
they pretty much act as an outsourced IT department, basically what an MSP is. It seems like that's what this is right here, this Kaseya, but let's actually confirm live on air what this Kaseya really is. But it turns out this attack not only affected them, it affected one of their uh, chains that uh, are managed by Kaseya, known as Coop Sweden, which is a Swedish supermarket chain. After the attack froze cash registers in almost all of their stores, they decided to close hundreds of them. That pretty much prevents people from purchasing groceries. And it turns out kindergarten schools and grade schools, your elementary schools, I guess you could say, in New Zealand were also affected. And this man, the CEO of the firm Kaseya, also said that other businesses were affected as well, including but not limited to dental practices, architecture firms, plastic surgery centers, and libraries, end quote. So you could see the big, huge scope of this attack and how damaging it was to uh, the, not only the supply chain, but the entire economy of technically the globe, but mostly the U.S. And apparently, according to this article from Yahoo News, turns out the demands from the ransomware gang known as Revil actually indicate that the attack was broader in scope than the hackers intended. So, again, that kind of uh, defeats my earlier point that I made about them planning for something even bigger. So, it might have just been an accident that they intended for something to be, intended for the attack to affect more. But, I mean, I don't know. The same thing they said with the meat plant, too. They're not trying to hurt anybody. They just want to make money. Well, I mean, if you just want to make money, you should just go get a job <laughs> or start a legitimate business. Not trying to steal from others. That is immoral. And that damages not only yourself, but others around you. Lord, I thought this was supposed to be a technology podcast. Now I'm over here giving life spiritual lessons and philosophy. Good night. But again, let's get back to the story. So, according to this article, Revil's request for a joint ransom is a, here's another quote, sign that they realize that this is a bigger problem than they originally thought. But I think behind the scenes, this is a lot more than they probably anticipated. This is uh, from a, a person named Liska. So, yeah, pretty bad. We have to keep eyes on what's going on in the world in terms of security and uh, hacking. But this is another thing that confirms what I said in the last podcast. Enterprises must invest more into protecting their digital assets, as well as others as well, physical assets included. But yes, alright, that's pretty much what I wanted to point out with this uh, story. So, let's move on to Audacity, which a lot of other tech YouTubers I noticed have been talking about. Like Mental Outlaw, Chris Titus, DistroTube, Sir Pseudo, just to name a few. Shout out once again. Free shout out. They're very good, go subscribe. But anyways, I was able to find the, what Audacity calls, desktop privacy notice, and they say it's a draft document, but it looks like they're leaning towards actually publishing it as an official document and not keeping it as a draft. But it looks like in future Audacity releases, with the current one being 3.0.2, it looks like they are looking to collect two big, 
pieces of data through their new te telemetry they're trying to add. And the two big datas are your public IP address and what's called the user agent string, which basically tells Audacity what operating system and what version and what architecture uh, you're using, as well as the model of the Audacity that you're trying to, that you have installed on your system, which is, I'm going to tell you right now, very invasive and kind of defeats the point of being free and open source software, free in terms of your freedom. But anyways, let's read a little bit more of this right here. Looks like why we collected, they're giving us a, a little small table of the types of data they are collecting. So let's do uh, take a look at this and see what, what they're trying to officially collect. So they're saying here's some personal data they collect. They collect your OS version and what your OS is. So the example they gave in the beginning of this article or draft document was uh, Windows 10 version 19.042 with 64-bit architecture. Another type of data they collect. The user country which they determine from your IP address. So they can determine if you're from the US, the UK, Australia, Russia, Belarus, Ukraine. You get the picture. Italy. Whatever. They can determine all that from your IP address. Which again, here's another quick tip. It is important to make sure your public IP address does not get compromised. Because there is a lot of personal identifying information that is attached to it. Goodness gracious. And they also, like I mentioned earlier, they also collect your CPU information. What CPU are you using? Is it Intel? Is it Advanced Micro Devices or AMD? And they also say they collect a couple of other stuff like non-fatal error codes and messages such as if something, if you fail to open a file in Audacity or message, and they collect the, uh, the code, I guess, from that message. And they also allow you, uh, you to send crash reports in a break pad mini dump format, which is all the data they collect and the, and that to all those data I mentioned, they say they collect it for the purposes of improving the app by using analytics, which is, I mean, a lot of apps do that, but considering this is supposed to be an open source app and, you know, it kind of violates the whole point of the open source philosophy created by Richard Stillman. And I got these links. I'll put these links in the uh, in the sources uh, page in the ghost bin link. So you guys can actually copy these and look at look at them yourself. But uh, yeah, I got the the GNU. General Public License Version 2 and Version 3 pulled up here for reference. Alright, let me just uh, go back to the other types of data that are collected. So, this other type of data says they are now going to collect data necessary, here's quotes right here, data necessary for law enforcement, litigation, and authorities, and other you know types of authorities like government authorities, the alphabet uh, organizations. They say they're going to collect this if they request it for legal enforcement. So, I mean, I don't understand why they would need that in a, in a program that's, by the way, in case you don't know what Audacity is, it's pretty much an uh, audio editor and recorder application. So, with that in mind, it really 
wouldn't make any sense for them to include to, or to collect data necessary for law enforcement and litigation of who I don't understand. I really don't think criminals are using audacity to communicate with each other. They're mostly using like instant messaging applications and chat forums on the internet. So, I mean, I don't understand why they would want to do that. It seems extremely invasive. But, I mean, what the heck? I'm just a, a computer crusader, a man sitting on a laptop, giving you guys some info and covering the latest IT news on my podcast. So, I mean, who am I to say? anyways, right below that, it talks about minors. It says right here, quote, The app we provide is not intended for individuals below the age of 13. If you are under 13 years old, please do not use the app, end quote. First off, I really don't know what the point of that is. I mean, how are they going to, how is that going to hurt minors, though, if it's simply a recording app that allows you to edit your, your voice? And it's not like extreme edits that makes it sound super different. I guess if you use plugins, you can do that. But I mean, there really is nothing that's, you know, not safe for minors on Audacity. It's simply just an audio editing and recording software, unless they try and add uh, new features to it. But I mean, I don't know. And right below that, it says they, they may disclose the personal data listed above. I just mentioned, I listed them all out to you guys, including the IP address to several different types of people, five different types, technically. And it says right here, number one, they share it with their staff members. It says we allow access to personal data only to those staff members who have a legitimate business need. Well, I kind of have a hard time understanding what that is, but I mean, unless someone is related, but I don't know, that seems like a little bit fishy too right there. Number two, to any competent law enforcement body, government agency, court, or third party, where we believe disclosure is necessary. I mean, and it also says, or to exercise, establish, or defend our legal rights. Which is, I mean, like I mentioned before, I don't really understand why uh, audacity would be, audacity would be used for the purposes of criminal activities. I mean, I don't understand how you could use it for that. But again, let's move on. It says, also, they share it with their audit auditors, advisors, and legal representatives for legitimate business purposes. Once again, I mean, that's a little bit shady right there. And it also says, to a potential buyer. Now, this is a little bit scary right here. And they also say, and it's agents and advisors. So, I mean, I guess if another business or corporation wants to pay for your IP address that you use, uh, that is taken from you using Audacity, they are going to allow it to be sold to other businesses, which is a security concern, as well as a privacy violation that's pretty direct right there, which is, I mean, not very, very shameful. I'm very ashamed at the Audacity group for doing this. Now, it's not necessarily their fault entirely because they were recently purchased by uh, Muse, the Muse Group, which is a, a an organization or corporation that created several other open source music softwares like MuseScore, which is for composing music. So, and I've heard that app is actually kind of good, like in terms of UI and usability, but I mean, I don't know, with this new people that they got in charge, apparently they still kept the guy from Audacity in charge, but 
It's, it's very cringe now what's going on. It's a little odd. And they also will share it with any person that the user has provided prior consent to allow uh, the data to be shared with, which is very, again, I mean, very invasive, not very. And it says you have the following data protection rights. If you wish to access, correct, update, or request deletion of your personal data, you have to contact this email address, privacy at audacityteam.org, capital A and capital T, an Audacity Team, which is, I mean, kind of an inconvenience for the person right there. Now, it could be worse, but I mean, still, turns out a lot of people are upset about what I just read to you guys, and... I mean, that's kind of for good reason, too, because, I mean, Lord, this, this, uh, yeah, see, here's some of the other software that this Muse group has, uh, created. Ultimate Guitar. I mean, I've never heard of that. I don't think it sounds that ultimate. Maybe the only ultimate they got is, uh, all the data they collect from you. But, hey, again, I mentioned Muse Score and Tone Bridge, which, I don't know, I guess that's probably like a... I heard it's like a mobile version of MuseScore, which I don't understand why they couldn't just make MuseScore available for mobile. I mean, what? Okay. And this is actually a new article I got from TechRadar. Again, this will be featured in the Ghostbin uh, link and sources link that I will give you guys at the end in the description of this uh, podcast. But, uh, yeah, and I'm going to read to you what it says right here. It says... When the acquisition was announced, Muse Group promised the software would remain free and open source. Well, it still is open source, but is it really free? Again, however, sections of the community believe the new privacy policy, which I just pretty much read you the big parts that people are concerned about on the, on the privacy policy, says they run counter to philosophies and ambitions of the open source movement, with some going as far as calling the new audacity spyware, end quote. Well, I mean, if you take what I just read you and apply it to the term spyware, what is spyware? It's a software that collects data without your consent or knowledge and uses them for which the company can do whatever they want with pretty much and share it with other people that they decide freely. They decide, not you. And that's what spy, spyware really is. But, I mean, this is pretty much on the gray line in terms of spyware because the community has not asked for this officially, and they have just decided to incorporate it in here. Now, I'm not going to say if it's official spyware because they are mentioning it right here, and they still are keeping it open source. But, I mean, you could make a strong case that it is becoming spyware. I mean, what the heck? Now, there are a couple of forks I noticed of Audacity. It seems like this guy, Cookie Engineer on GitHub, is, uh, turns out is pretty much forked Audacity, and he, and he renamed it to Temporary Audacity, which is where he pretty much took the new Audacity and took all the telemetry out, which is all the data collection uh, technology in it. So, and then there's another one that I... Don't exactly know the name of, but you can search it on GitHub as well. Uh, but yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much that. It looks like, again, part of this article, it says, Ever since the Audacity acquisition, relations between Muse Group and the open source community have been strained. And it turns out they're 
creating a new contributor license agreement for Audacity, which is kind of taken away from the open source as well. It says right here, the new CLA requires contributors, that is people that, you know, add to the code since it's open source on GitHub, they are now required to sign onto a agreement or another piece of paper if they want to contribute to continue to be allowed to contribute to the project, which is pretty much saying, hey, sign this paper or contract in order to actually be allowed to contribute to the project, which means that it's technically not open source anymore. It's like half closed, half open, you know, one of those glass, half full, half empty type of scenarios. Now, I think it's in the middle right now, which is what this is. I'm going to call it a gray source. That's what I'm going to call it now, gray source. If any of you guys uh, want to leave comments or suggestions on what I should start calling that now, instead of grayware, in between, or gray source, in between open source and closed source, call it gray source. But yeah, turns out this new agreement also stipulates that the Muse group must be given unrestricted rights to all contributions, which means that they pretty much take credit for all the contributions that others have made from there, which again, makes it not really open source. I mean, truly, what is going on with Muse Group? I actually thought they were kind of cool with their Muse Score app. I actually might have considered using that in the future since I used to play uh, alto saxophone a lot. I might consider playing again sometime, but, you know, I actually considered writing my own music in the past, maybe just to just like for fun or whatever. And I was planning on using this app to do it, but after how they're treating the homie Audacity, man, I don't think I could ever look at them the same again. So, well, I guess that's enough of me talking about Audacity. Let's go to the final, and you guys might think it's probably the most interesting story on this podcast episode, which is this article from Ars Technica. And it says, German scientist built a high-resolution microscope out of Lego bricks. Good lord, that is extremely impressive. It says the only non-Lego components are the lenses used, which were salvaged from old smartphone cameras. Man, I'm going to see if they actually have instructions on this now. Now, it comes from a recent paper published by a magazine called The Biophysist, or Journal. So, yeah. And they say it's a part of the, it's a new trend called frugal science, which is, entails using cheap consumer hardware and open source software to build low-cost scientific instruments, which, hey, I'm all for that. And it says the perfect use for these DIY tools would be for educational or training environments in universities or whatever. And also a good use, it says, would be field, on the field in developing or third world countries. So, hey, I mean, there's pretty cool innovation going on right there. Again, that's another reason why I'm a big fan of this open source hardware and software movement is because the uh, it allows for, or excuse me, it breaks down the barriers to entry for all kinds of people and it allows for unprecedented innovation, the likes of which we have never seen before or haven't seen at least in a long time, probably since the Renaissance period. So, I mean, this is pretty impeccable right there, what they got going on. 
says right here, this guy, Timo Betts, from the University of Göttingen, I guess, which is in Germany. Sorry if I butchered the name. But he says this, an understanding of science is crucial for decision-making and brings many benefits in everyday life, such as problem-solving and creativity, which is, again, what I just mentioned the open-source community and movement does for several types of people, which is incredible. And it also mentions another low-cost DIY scientific instrument, and it claims to be the best known. It's called the Foldscope, which is an optical microscope assembled out of a sheet of paper and a lens, and it comes as a kit. It says it, it's robust enough to survive being dropped or getting wet, and it's strong enough to view E. coli and malarial parasites with magnification. And it says the technology used for the Foldscope is magnets, so users can attach a smartphone and take pictures of the magnified samples in addition to be being able to view them. That is incredible. And apparently Lego, another big reason why I like Lego, besides the fact that I used to make stop-motion brick films out of it, is how useful it can be for as a component for several of these DIY instruments right now, which is incredible. And it gives another example right here. In 2014, an international team of students constructed an atomic force microscope, or AM, AFM microscope, using Lego bricks, partially. Not as much as this microscope I'm mentioning, but good lord, that's incredible right there. Yeah, so, I just found the article that describes what they did, and uh, I'll also be sure to link that in the ghost bin as well. But, uh, yeah, it turns out they constructed the AFM micro, uh, model microscope partially or almost completely using Lego Mindstorms uh, series Legos. And uh, they programmed the uh, software in LabVIEW, and they mentioned that how this uh, Lego microscope has the ability to scan the samples and construct a 3D surface graph of the sample that you place under it. And uh, they say it's going to be primarily used for nanoscience and nanotechnology education which is incredible once again. So, but back to this uh, German microscope that they built. It says they, uh, uh, well actually, uh, the AFM microphone, it says right here, it only cost a little bit over $400 to create, which is much better than the price for a professional cutting-edge AFM microscope, which they say is over $1,000, according to... To this article right here from Ars Technica, and it says they actually used, like I mentioned, the Lego Mindstorm bricks, 3D printed parts, and Arduino microcontrollers. So, completely open source hardware and software right there. Incredible. But yeah, see, again, the, the amount of stuff that you can do with open source hardware and software, and, and Legos specifically, is incredible. And it really opens the door to all kinds of innovation and all kinds of other stuff. So, I mean, very cool. But, yeah, that seems like that's the end of the episode today, guys. Thank you all for watching. Uh, again, be sure to check out my podcast. We have new episodes airing every Thursday at 12 o'clock p.m. High noon, Eastern Daylight Time. So be sure to tune in there. 
And again, this artic- this uh, podcast is available on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and soon to be Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, as well as maybe SoundCloud. I might do that as well. So yeah. All right, guys. Well, have a great day. Stay tuned for next episode. Bye.